You've tuned into His Name Ministries Podcast. Amen. Wow, what a service already this morning. Amen. Isn't God so good? This beautiful warm day here in Edmonton. Man, I didn't know what to do, whether to cry or to laugh when I walked outside. Man, this is definitely the coldest weather I've been in, but I'm so excited. And like the pastor said, there it might be cold outside, but the fire of God is in this place this morning. Amen. There might be some of you right now, your feet are still cold from being outside, kind of like mine are. But the fire of God is in this house this morning, and God is so good. What a powerful time of worship that we had. You are so blessed to have the worship team that you guys have. So blessed. There's, we travel, like Pastor Doug said, we travel a lot to different churches, and you know, not a lot of churches have the worship team like you guys have. I remember one time we were speaking at a church, and it was just one lady and some tracks, and she was going after it. And I was watching her. I said, Destiny, I want some of what she got. Amen. So you are so blessed, and the presence of the Lord is in this house. And uh, worship, when you worship God, it's, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Oh, if I feel like oh, I need to worship God. No, it's a decision. You decide I don't know what else to do. My mind's telling me this. You decide to worship God. You make that decision. Because things happen when you worship God. Things in the spiritual atmosphere, things that your little eyeballs can't see, things are happening when you worship God. When you're in a, when you're praising God, when you're worshiping God, God is moving in on the scene. And it's you being in complete faith, and you have a confidence, I'm worshiping God, and he knows what to do. David at Ziglag, whole city was burned up. Everything was gone. His own men wanted to turn against him. They wanted to stone him. And it says in the Bible that David wept until he had no more tears. Some of you might have been there before. You maybe cried your last tear. You don't know what else to do. But it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord when your wife isn't there. Your wife can't always be there saying, honey, be encouraged, be happy. You know, don't be so upset. No, even when you're by yourself or your husband's not there, you need to encourage yourself in the Lord and worship God. And it's amazing when David started doing that, the Lord spoke to him, go and recover all. So when you have that that act, when you worship God, when you're in praise and worship, the Lord will speak to you and he will encourage you. Amen. How do I know this? Because I practice it a lot. Just like you heard, my grandmother is Dr. Billy Brim, and uh, I grew up in a Christian household. Tuesday night prayer group goes on, little Brandon has to go. And I know how it is to to get by and and talk to church talk. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm blessed, highly favored. Was I really blessed, highly favored? Not really. I was just saying it to get by. 
And then I, I started traveling with my grandmother for over three years, meeting powerful men and women of God. They would come and always pray for me. Son, what is it? And they would pray for me, and they would stir up that gift that was in me, even though I didn't realize it or recognize it. But they did. And I moved to California. I know the Lord told me to go to California. And it was so different. I'm by myself. I'm in a little trailer. I'm not traveling all around the world anymore. I'm not staying at these nice hotels anymore. But I'm by myself. I have a mirror. And it's me and the Lord. And I had to learn to encourage myself. God, you called me here, and you will perform it. And even when I don't know what to do, I'll worship you no matter what. Amen? Amen. And now look where we are now. We're with you this morning. And God is faithful to his word, and he will always perform it. Paul and Silas, they worshiped and praised God. They prayed and worshiped God, and we know what happened things happen when you worship God. It says at midnight. It was a midnight situation. You might have a midnight situation in your life. What do you do? You pray and you worship God. Amen. And things happen. It says the prisoners heard them. So people around you, even your praise, your worship can affect other people around you and you don't even know it. God is so good. I'm excited about this morning. That was just all bonus right now. That's just, that's not even the message. But the presence of God is here. And this is where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom and there is liberty. I pray that we leave here this morning, me, myself included, never, ever, ever the same again. A fresh fire that we will not be the same again, that we go after God. And that the Lord will speak through me, and we will be changed. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for these precious pastors. And Lord, how you've called them to this city, Edmonton, God. And I thank you, Edmonton, is being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That this place is a bright and shining light. And the people, the congregation members, everywhere they go, people will take notice and say, what is it that they have? What is it that they are carrying? And it's your presence, God. It's your glory. It's your anointing. It's your smile. It's your brightness in their eyes, God. Just like what you said in Colossians 1, verse 27, that Christ is in us the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. You can turn to Mark chapter 16. So Destiny and I are on this Canada tour, and our first stop, we were in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Beautiful Moose Jaw. So many things to do in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. It's amazing. No, it was great, but we saw God move in those services We were there for two nights. We saw healings taking place, hearts being restored, broken hearts being mended. And the last night we were there, this lady came up to me. She was in her 90s, and she had a broken hand, all swollen, looked like a balloon. It was all swollen, and God right there healed her hand, and the swelling was going down before all of our eyes. 
Isn't that awesome? That's our God. A 90-year-old intercessor, prayer warrior. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Amen? So I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16. Are you there? Isn't God good? So Mark chapter 16, we'll look at verse 2. It says, Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the tomb at the rising of the sun. So this is early. It's pitch black. It's 40 below zero. I don't know about that. They got their hats on. They got their mittens on. So they go out early in the morning, and they show up at the rising of the sun. In verse 3, it says this, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the tomb? So Jesus has died. He's on the cross. He's died. Now they're going to go to anoint the body of Jesus. So they get up to the tomb, and the sun's coming up, and then they ask themselves, not before they left, they ask themselves, um, who's going to roll away that big stone? I know I've been working out, but I can't roll that stone away. And I was just meditating on this, Pastor, and I was just looking at this, and I thought it was amazing how they were already on their way, and they got there before the stone was rolled away. And they ask themselves, now that we're here, there's a problem. There's a stone in the way. So they're asking, who's going to roll it away? And verse 4, it says this, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. So this is how it is with the things of God. Whatever God has told you to do, even though it looks like a stone is in the way, or a big obstacle is in the way, when you just say, yes, Lord, when you just say, I'll do what you want me to do, things that have been hindering your way will be rolled away. This is a faith walk. This is a walk of faith. They didn't go by what they saw because what they saw was a big stone. They said, I'll go and anoint the body of Jesus. Even though there's a stone in the way, I know my God will make a way. And that's what happens when you just say yes to Jesus, when you do what he's told you to do. And it's not always these big decisions. It might be you going into the grocery store and you see someone and the Holy Spirit says, just tell them, hello, hi, or just tell them, you know, uh, how's your day going? It's obeying those promptings. It's obeying that voice, that still small voice, and you obey it and things will become bigger and larger. But it starts out with the little things. I know I heard this story about Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, and he was at this house, and this lady was dying. She's on her deathbed. He goes and visits this house. She's on her deathbed. She's about to die. Cancer all over her body. And he prays, and they're praying, and they're praying in the Spirit, and they're speaking over her. They're speaking the Word of God. Not just thinking about the Word of God, they're speaking the Word of God. It says in the Passion Translation that the spoken Word of God is like a razor-sharp sword. Speaking the Word, he's praying, he's praying, and the Lord shows him, this is what I want you to do. So guess what? He obeyed it, and she got up, she was instantly healed, and they said they all went outside. It's in Texas. They all went outside, and they all ate watermelon together. 
Sounds like a good time, amen, especially right now. It wasn't frozen. So they ate watermelon together. So he was thanking the Lord about it, and the Lord said, if you didn't obey me with that $10 that you sowed a while back, this would have never happened. So he shares a story about how he was a pastor and and this evangelist came to his church to speak and the Lord spoke to him, give him that $10. $10 is a lot back then. So he obeyed it and the Lord said, because of what you saw today, this miracle, it was a reflection of you obeying my voice with the $10. And that's how it is with the things of God. You just say yes to whatever he tells you to do. Amen. And you obey his voice and things will start happening in your life. Amen. Isn't God so good? For the stone was rolled away. It was very great. In verse 5, they enter into the tomb. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. I think it's amazing when people encounter the supernatural, they encounter angels. And all the time you hear this message, be not afraid. Why? Because we serve a God of power. We serve a God of power. Amen? And it's amazing. They all say, be not afraid. So they see this angel. And the angel says, be not afraid. We serve a God of power. Just like it says in the Word, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing. No person, no problem, no situation. But guys, we need to know this, and we need to have our faith in this, that God has got my back. Amen? So in Matthew chapter 28, it's another uh, Matthew's point, and it's the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It says, suddenly... The earth shook violently beneath their feet. And as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended from heaven, lightning flashed around him. His robe was dazzling white. The guards, these big bad guards, there to protect it. The the guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. Then the angel walked up to the tomb. He rolled away the stone. And sat on top of it. I like that. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying down like dead men. The angel of the Lord Jehovah, our God, the angel descends, rolls away the stone, and sits on top of it. Isn't that powerful? And here's the message the angel gives them in verse 6. And he says unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Guess what? He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. So he says this, you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified, but guess what? The cross did not defeat Jesus. The grave did not defeat Jesus. He is not here. I like that. Jesus is gone. And this is what Jesus was called to do. He was called to be the perfect sacrifice for sins and take on sickness for you and I. This is Jesus' calling. 
He didn't come here to be liked by people. He didn't come here to be popular. He didn't come here to be just even worshipped by people. But he said, I come to do my Father's will. I only say what he says. I only do what he does. That's what he was called to do. The most religious people of the day hated him. The most religious people of the day, they would seek after he would preach. They would say, how can we kill him? Not just give him a bad look, but we want to take him out. They were always after him. But Jesus didn't come to be liked by them, to be accepted. He came on a top-level secret mission for all of us. And it says in 2 Corinthians, if they would have known this, if the enemy would have known this, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He wasn't forced to give himself up. He gave his life for you and I. It says he could have called on legions of angels. We know one angel took out 185,000 men. A legion is a minimum of 6,000 men. So you just do some math. That's 1 billion, 100 million. One legion of angels could take out men. It says he could have called out 12 legions. That would have been over 13 billion they would have taken out. The whole humanity, the face of humanity could have been wiped out if Jesus would have just said the word. But he didn't come to be liked by people. He came to die for you and I. And he was so full of love. And it's amazing through the whole process, the, the process of the cross, how he was, he was whipped, his beard was ripped out, they spit in his face, and it says Jesus didn't say one word. But when he was on the cross, and his father had to leave him to put all the sin, all the sickness, all the diseases, all everything that we deserve when everything went on Jesus and his father had to leave him, he cried out. The one thing that made Jesus have a vocal response is when he felt his father's presence leave him. Not the spitting, not the whipping, not the making fun of, but when he felt his father's presence leave him. So he took on, Jesus didn't just take on our sin and our sickness. He also took on the spirit of an orphan. So maybe you don't have that love, that loved one you want in your life, that father, that mother. Jesus took that for you on the cross as well. So you never have to feel that. Amen. He's always there for you no matter what. This is what Jesus was called to do for us. Amen. Isn't God so good? The key to your breakthrough, the key to your miracle is to put your eyes on Jesus and the price that he paid for us. Hallelujah. So the angel gives him a, a message. You go tell the disciples that Jesus, like he said, he's going to be with them. So they went. They told the disciples, guess what? I saw Jesus. I saw the angel. The angel of the Lord said, Jesus is going to come be with you. So verse 10, they go. And she went and told them that had been with them as they mourned and wept. 
And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. I think that's amazing. I was reading this, and here's these guys, these great men of faith, been with Jesus for years and spent time with them. Jesus told them, guess what? I'm going to come see you again. They get the message, and when they get the message, I've seen, I've seen the angel. The angel told me Jesus is going to come be with you soon. It says they didn't believe her. So I was reading this, and I was thinking there's hope for us. There's hope for us. Things in your heart, things that God has promised you specifically, and you feel like it's not going to come to pass. But today, this morning, you make a decision, Lord, I believe what you have told me and what your word says. They didn't believe her. So then Jesus shows up. Verse 14. So it says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and Jesus abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had been seen after he was risen. So I think it's amazing. Here they're at dinner. Jesus shows up. And what's the first thing Jesus does? He gets on to them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. It says in the Amplified that he went to each one of them and made them give an account. Why is your heart so hard? And why are you so full of unbelief? And it's the same today. We are not called as Christians to carry a hard heart, to carry walls up, to be full of unbelief. But we are called to be people of faith. This is Edmonton Word. This is the faith church. Amen. People of faith and have soft and tender hearts towards God that we can hear his voice. Amen. In the Bible, it talks, about, it talks about an evil heart of unbelief. It calls unbelief evil. We are called to be childlike, have a childlike faith where we see what the Word of God says and we say, yes, Lord, I believe it. I take it at your word. Amen. Hard heart grieves the Holy Spirit. It talks about being tenderhearted. Even when the anointing, uh, when they anointed uh, David as king, Samuel, here's a statement the Lord made. I don't look at man the way you look at him. I don't look how tall they are, how good looking they are, the qualifications they got. I look at one thing and one thing only. I look at the heart. The Lord looks at your heart. And it's called to be soft and tender, and full of faith towards him. Amen? And Psalm 78 is talking about the children of Israel when they're in the desert. And here it is. It says this, They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's not about the words that you speak. You can talk all you want, talk the talk, but it's about your heart. How's your heart towards God this morning? Full of faith, tender, we are not called to be Christians with hard hearts and full of unbelief. That's what Jesus got on to them for the, the first thing he did right when he walked in. Why is your heart so hard 
and why are you so full of unbelief? Amen. I want you to listen to this. In Romans chapter 4, verse 19, it's talking about Abraham. It says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. So he didn't even look at his body. He didn't look at what he could do. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So how can you stagger at the promises God has made for you? You can stagger, you can stagger from them through unbelief. And it says, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. I like that word. Fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. As Christians, we need to be fully persuaded. A fully persuaded faith. In the Passion Translation, it says, don't be half-hearted. We are called to do everything with all of our heart and have, have how Jesus needs all of our heart and a fully persuaded faith in God. In James, it talks about have faith in God and don't wave like the waves, you know, here and there. And it says a double-minded man is, unsta- is always unstable in all his ways. And the passion, it says, have a confident faith in God. Amen. Even in Mark chapter 6, Jesus, he's preaching in his own hometown. It says they were amazed by the wisdom he preached. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith right now is filling this atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is showing you some things to correct. He's showing me some things to correct. All of us, so we can have a heart full of faith and tender to the voice of the Lord. Especially in the days that we're living in, all the stuff that you see on the news, we cannot afford to carry a hard and unbelieving heart. Amen. So Jesus is preaching. Faith is filling the room. They're amazed. And they, they said this, these miracles that, he, that take place by his hands, and they're all talking. And then they go to the natural. Isn't that just the carpenter's son? We know his, bro- we know his brother. We know his, his mom and dad. And it hindered unbelief, hindered the whole atmosphere. And Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And it says that he could there do no mighty work. So what happened? Unbelief got in the atmosphere, and it hindered Jesus' ministry. But Jesus went around, and he kept on teaching. He went around all the other villages teaching. What was he teaching? Faith. What was he teaching? God loves you. What is he teaching? Miracles are for you today. You don't have to carry that any longer. And it's the same message today that we preach. Amen. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Isn't God good? I want you to look at verse 34. Even revival, people talk about revival. And I've been in a few services of revival type services. I've gotten to be around some powerful men of God. God has used them literally to shake in the United States of America and even the world. And they all say this, revival deals with the heart. Amen. Your heart. 
You're, when Jesus is your number one, you're on fire for him. Nothing else will satisfy. Amen. One night I was in my place and I was worshiping God and praising him. And I felt a heavy presence come on me. And it, it, it's always nice when that happens. Amen. It, 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 you know, it feels good. There's times you're worshiping. You might not feel anything for a while, but I felt a heavy presence come on me. And I said, God, what is this? And he said, this is revival. He says, you're having a revival in your life. And before you can truly say, I'm praying for revival, you need to be revived yourself, where you're on fire for God. And you don't have to talk in the King James language. Just be yourself. You're, you're unique. There's no one like you. Be who God has called you to be. Stop trying to be like everybody else. Try, stop trying to put, you know, get yourself all together and have a great posture and talk a certain way. No, be who God has called you to be because he made you. Amen? So Mark chapter 6, verse 34. So they go to the desert and it says, Jesus came out. He saw much people and he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus is teaching them faith. Verse 34, he began to teach these people many things. That's what's going to change you. The word of God will change your life. It's not just about a person coming up to you and having that word and pray. I mean, I believe in that. I love that. But it's the Word of God that will change you. It's the Word of God that will never leave you. The Word of God that you have in your Bible or when you go and you have it on your phone. It's the Word of God that will change your life. Every time the enemy came against Jesus, he used the Word of God. It is written. Amen? So Jesus is teaching them many things. In verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, like today, it's going to be far spent when, by the time I'm done. I'm just joking. The day was far spent. Some of you go, no, no. We're almost done. The day was far spent. His disciples came unto them and said, Jesus, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into their country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And Jesus answered and said unto them, you give them something to eat. He gave them the orders. You can do something about it. But what did they do? Do they think naturally? They definitely did. They had unbelief. They said, Jesus, we can't do that. It's going to cost this much money, a half a year's wages. Jesus didn't ask them how much it's going to cost. He just says, you can do something about it. Be full of faith. Whatever Jesus has called you to do, has told you to do, even if it costs a lot of money, just do it and trust God. He will make a way. So we know the story. Takes a little boy's lunch, blesses it. Everyone's fed. They have 12 baskets left over. Our God operates in the overflow. He is our shepherd. We shall not want. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. 
overflow of blessings. We are called to operate in the overflow of blessings where people around us are touched by it. Amen? Overflow. So Jesus tells them in verse 45, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the other ship and go to the other side. So there's the orders. Get into the ship, go to the other side. I don't care what obstacles you may endure. I don't care what the enemy might try to throw against you. I gave you the command, go to the other side. Every time I get on an airplane, I plead the blood of Jesus over it. I touched the plane. I said, I'll pass over from here to Edmonton without incident. I'll pass over from here to California. So Jesus gave him the word. You will pass over to the other side. Verse 46, Jesus sent them away. He departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the middle of the sea and he alone on the land. And Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was against them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night. He came unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them. And But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed to have been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him, they were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, as I be not afraid. So now they're in the, they're in the ship. The wind's against them. The wave's against them. They're about to crash. And Jesus shows up walking upon the water. Walking upon the very thing they think is going to take them out. Sometimes you might have a situation in your life, a problem in your life, and it feels like it's going to crash you. It's going to sink you. It's all under Jesus' feet. And it's under your feet. Amen. And Jesus says, it is I, don't be afraid. And the passionate says this, don't yield to fear, have courage. And that's the decision each and every one of us have to make, that we don't yield to fear, we have courage. Fear is of the devil. Perfect love casts out all fear. Brother Copeland says, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. We are not called to have any fear in our lives. Jesus says, don't yield to fear. Have courage. Amen? Amen. Verse 51. We're almost done. He went up unto them to the ship. The wind stopped, and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wonder. And I want to focus here on verse 52. I said all that to say this. When I was reading this, I was studying this, I was reading it for myself, and the Lord spoke to me. I never planned on sharing it to people, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, Brandon, you have a hard heart. I said, God, where? I don't have any unforgiveness towards people. Unforgiveness will weigh you down, will make your heart hard. Unforgiveness will stop your faith, will limit your faith. Mark 11, Jesus talks about uh, having faith in God. And the one example he shows and gives is unforgiveness. We are not called to have any unforgiveness in our life. Jesus shows that on the cross when the people are mocking him, gambling for his clothes. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's our example. 
So the Lord said, your heart is hard. I said, God, where? And he showed me this. Verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So there is a lesson in the miracle of the loaves. They didn't even consider it. What's the lesson, guys? That we serve a supernatural God. What's the lesson? That we can't go by what we see, what we feel, or what we hear. We put our faith in God. Where Jesus took a little boy's lunch and it fed everyone in 12 baskets left over. There was a lesson there and they didn't even consider it. If they would have thought about that lesson, they would have known when they're in the ship and the water's coming in and the waves, they would have known Hey, I saw what Jesus did with that little boy's lunch. I saw that Jesus told me I'll meet you on the other side. If they would have considered who they serve and whose they were. But they didn't. They thought naturally. They thought with their earthly minds. And it says they didn't consider the miracle for their heart was hardened. And here's an indication of a hard heart. It's when you look more at the natural than the supernatural. We are not called to be natural people. We are supernatural people. And when you're led more by your five senses than the spirit, you have a hard heart. Amen. But what's the indication of a hard heart? They were surprised. They marveled about what just happened. Even in Acts chapter 3, verse 12, at the beautiful gate, the man was healed. He's walking, leaping, praising God. Peter makes a statement. Why marvel at this? Why be surprised? Why? Because he knew who he served. He knew about the power that is in the name of Jesus. And we are called, church, to be supernatural people. This right here, Edmonton, is not our home, but we are on an assignment from heaven to make Jesus real to people. Hallelujah. Worship team, you can come up here. Isn't God good? His presence is here. Amen. We serve a supernatural God. We got to take every limit off, every natural limit off. And we just got to say, yes, Lord, and have such a faith in God. Tender-hearted, full of faith in God. We serve a supernatural God. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that? Isn't God good? All the time. I want to share a story with you last year, talking about supernatural and how we are supernatural people. Last year, Destiny and I were at a conference. The conference was over, and uh, we had a rental car, and I went to go put fuel in the rental car, So, because the, mor- the next morning we had to take off early for our plane. So I'm being a good husband, you know, before putting gas in the car. And uh, it was cold outside. I'm not going to tell you the temperature because you're going to laugh. I didn't have a jacket on. So I'm getting fuel, and I'm just talking to the Lord right there. God, thank you for this time. You can talk to him anywhere you're at. It's not just at church. Just not on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night. 
It's a relationship with Jesus. Jesus never called us into a religion, but a relationship with him where you love him. And even though you might make a mistake, he's always there for you. He's so full of mercy. He's so full of love. He knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. He knows every intimate detail about you. You better stop trying to hide it from him. And just have that relationship with him. Lord, I love you. Thank you for helping me. So I'm out there getting, getting fuel, getting gas, and I'm just telling the Lord, I love you, God. Thank you for this time that Destiny and I were able to come here and we had the finances to come here, and I give you all the glory. And I, I heard a sound, and at gas stations, you hear sounds, amen? You hear some funny sounds. You hear conversations. And I heard something, and then next thing you know, I hear, my, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me. Brandon, he's going to try to rob you. I didn't want to hear that. I want to hear my good and faithful servant. I've seen you encouraging yourself in the Lord. I've seen you worshiping God when no one was looking. I'm going to honor you. I heard he's going to try to rob you. And next thing you know, I look to my left, and there is a guy approaching me. And he's hiding something in his pants. And he's walking towards me. And I thought naturally, what am I going to do? I'm not very muscular. I can't, I don't know if I, I can't, you know, there's a few other guys. Destiny's in the car on her phone. Can't leave Destiny. I can't just take off and run. That wouldn't be a good example as a husband, you know, leads a wife or, you know. What am I going to do? But I thought in that secret place, how the Lord spoke to me about his name. He even spoke to me. I'll give you a message, Brandon, and I'll preach it through you. He told me that one morning, one early morning. So I, I know about that name. I have faith in that name. I know what the name of Jesus does. I know that he is the name. When you say Jesus, he comes in on the situation. I know that every sickness, every disease, every depression has to bow to that name. I know how when he gave the great commission, go, preach the gospel. But he gave him the name. In my name, things will happen. You'll lay hands on the sick. You'll cast out devils. I know about that name, the authority in that name, how hell shakes when you say the name Jesus, how demons tremble when you say Jesus. So I said, I'm going to bring him on the situation. I can't do anything in my own strength. My own strength, I want to run away. But I have his strength through me. He's divine. I'm his branch. You're not messing with me. You're messing with him. So I said, how am I going to bring Jesus in on the scene? I said, hey, do you know Jesus? He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, you know Jesus. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he looked at me and he screamed, I see it. I see it. I see it. It's all over you. And he was looking up above me. It's all over you. The whole atmosphere shifted. The whole atmosphere changed. It felt like I was in a glorious prayer meeting at the gas station. I said, I like this. I feel good. I feel real good. And he said, pray for me. Pray for me. So I prayed for him. The Lord started showing me things about his life. And he says, you're not talking the talk. You're walking it. And I told him, I know you've probably experienced a lot of people that talk the talk. 
and not walk the walk. But there are people out there that love Jesus and walk the walk. And that's all of us. Hallelujah. And Destiny, I went into the car and she goes, that guy was going to rob you. I said, I know it. And the car pulled up and there was four individuals hiding in the car. And they're looking around. What is going on? What happened? Jesus moved in on the scene. Hallelujah. That's our God. We serve a supernatural God where the guards fall down and act like dead men when they see the angel of the Lord Jehovah descend. And it says that we have angels that watch over us. We have guardian angels that are always with us. And the blood of Jesus covers us. I went back to my hotel room. I didn't go to sleep that night. I was up all night. And I said, Lord, and I was just praying. And I heard this. I heard this. Brandon, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want you guys to know this here in Edmonton. God will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care if it's a Monday morning and it's 45 below and you didn't plug in your car and it doesn't start. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. I took that word, Pastor said, you're a true Canadian. I took that word for me. I'm going to say there was a man of God. He said, I'm a true Canadian. It was 40 below and I was there. I took it. I don't know if any of you guys took it. I took that word. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. So with confidence, we can say, if God be for us, who can be against us? No one, no problem, no situation. Thank you for checking out our podcast. For more information on His Name Ministries, check out our website at hisnameministries.com. Or check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Have a blessed day.